Hello and welcome to Northeast Christian Church's online services. We are so excited to have you here today. Please be sure to subscribe to NECC on all social media platforms. And if you wanna watch this message again or some of our other messages, you can always look us up on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Thank you and enjoy the rest of the service. Um, when I was a college professor, I used to always do handouts instead of like taking the time, passing them through one row at a time. I just simply went like this and they just kind of, but you know, I wanted that to happen just like that. So they're available for you on the front row. <laughs> so when I was a professor, I used to just hand them out like that, but I realized in church you can't do that. But when you were coming in, you were given this, this isn't the message today, but I was just sitting back and uh, thinking, you know, God's word is the standard by which we are called as followers of Christ. If we call ourselves Christians or followers of Christ, it's the word that tells us how to align our life. And so when there's a contradiction with our life and God's word, it's us that needs to change. And so I just went through and thought this was a really great way for us to have on file, maybe take a look at in a very heated political environment. I'm telling you, <laughs> there's more to come. There is more to come. The, the issues, I've never seen uh, such a volatile environment where we've lost the ability to reason with one another. And so I'm not interested, and I don't think uh, anyone has really ever come to Christ through a fight or an argument. And so, I, you know, I, there are beautiful tips in here. Like, for instance, try to understand to earn the right to be understood. Uh, and I was also thinking, I wouldn't want you to get the wrong message of what I was trying to communicate last week. Two people in Scripture give us what it would look like for somebody who has walked into a life of politics. That's Daniel and Joseph. And what's amazing is, is they were in really two of the most pagan or godless environments that you could possibly be in, and yet they were able to navigate their faith, never compromise it, uh, but were, were not arguing it, they were arguing their point, and were willing to pay the price, even with Daniel going into the lion's den, said that they could find nothing wrong with him unless they made the argument against him and his dedication to his God. That's how godly of a life he lived, and I just think that for someone to, as we look at our country right now, there are people that think and feel differently than us, and what we don't want to do is make this about the gospel about Republican, Democrat, Independent, Libertarian, or whatever. We want to make the gospel the gospel. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all things that I've commanded you, it's more important for us to say, Lord, what am I needing to change? What am I needing to do? What am I needing to obey to show the world that I'm yours? And so this, this just gives some tips if that's what you're looking for in your life. But again, I'd say this room is filled with people who have voted in so many different directions. When it comes to moral issues, we, we address those as Scripture sees it. And, and I'll tell you what, I, what, my reserved nature with the ruling on Roe v. Wade was that for us to um, in, you know, rub it in the face of people who think differently, 
uh, really wouldn't be what Jesus would do. But I celebrate what happened. However, who knows? They could create a filibuster. It could be overturned. It's really now back to the states. And we know in our state that uh, it's not the Bible Belt. Not much is going to change there, but you can make your voice be heard if you've never written to your congressmen, your congresswomen. I would say for those of you that are parents, you should sit down and construct a letter and talk through these issues with your children and create kids that would write and talk with them. I've, I've talked to them. I've written to them in the past. Pastor Dylan and I had the opportunity to go down and speak at the state, uh, the state uh, capitol and uh, we, had, we had to wait all day until we got a, a word in, and it, 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 was, it was very heated, but there were moments where Christians were going forward speaking to the issue, and I was like, man, they're really not being heard. They're just releasing their anger. And so you, I, I want to tell you, I really believe with all of my heart that it's a beautiful thing what took place. And that's my belief according to Scripture of how I view life. However, this is the important thing we are trying to also say is, is that if somebody is not a follower of Jesus, what they're also saying is, is that they're not a follower of his word. That would be like me trying to convince you to support something you would feel is immoral and basing it off of the atheist's creed. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? If I were to engage you as a Christian and say, hey, the atheist creed says this, you know, there is no God, God is dead, morality is relative, and you need to just come on over to the other side. Nobody's going to convince you to do that. And so we have people on the other side who are looking at us, and we're quoting scripture to them, and it means nothing to them. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And he who the Son sets free is free indeed. And what we need to be doing as a church is being known for sharing Christ with people in crisis and watching their lives transform. Because I've, I've been around a long time and I've watched people who, for any of the, the hot button issues that we talked about, LGBTQ, racism, um, uh, right to life, all, all of these different pro-life, pro-choice, I've watched people who have been hard in a direction other than Christianity, but then God softens their heart over something as simple as honor your mother and father. And then they begin to get into God's word and they begin to, to say, give Jesus permission to convict them of sin and righteousness and judgment. And they begin to read what, G, what God has left us through his word and what Jesus considered worth dying for for us. And then we begin to change our life one step at a time. How many of you are here today and you're still changing your life for Jesus? Come on. So how can we... How can we just look at the world and just shout at them? Uh, we just, I just don't think it accomplishes. There are rare people who are called to a prophetic ministry, and there are moments where those things need to be confronted biblically. And, but I think at the meantime, we have our great commission from Jesus, and we're going to stay the course, and uh, we, we should be looking for ways to bridge people into the gospel, not creating obstacles for them. So uh, the, current, the current man who serves as the chaplain to the Senate, I put a phone call into his office this week because I thought to myself, you know, there's nobody navigating the tension of issues and, and Christianity more than Barry Black. He's an admiral in the Navy. He's been the 
Uh, he's been the head person of, of chaplain to every senator for decades. And it was really interesting. A lot of what we shared is what he shared. And he said, you know, if somebody's asking you what, what Christianity believes, if they're asking you what you believe, it's really, you should be bringing it back to say, well, it's, it's not really what I believe. It's what Christ, Christ and God's word has taught us. And, and as a follower of Christ, I want to live the way he's asked me to live. And so if you're interested in looking at what God says about it, I'd, I'd love to share that, but I'd first love to share some other things with you, is that he, he didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. That's Jesus, quoting Jesus there. And so there's a time and a place for everything. There's a time for war, and there's a time for peace, but I just don't think that this is the season for the, for the followers of Christ's um, to spike the football and shout the victory. Who knows what will happen with this? And uh, we want to reach people, Amen. And uh, I just thought that that was just really great that they would make themselves available to always bring it back to the Bible. This is what they said so that you can hear it. Always bring it back to the Bible, but before that, seek to understand more than being understood. That's actually Franklin Covey, for any of you that know that name. Value listening more than being heard and explain your view and your perspective with respect. Those who look at the issues differently than you are not your enemy, but someone who potentially could become an ally and a follower of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, you may find the statements of these verses below helpful. And so with some of the things they shared and some of the things we shared last week, uh, this is available to you and we have it handed out, but it's still out there. I encourage you to take a look at it, read through those scriptures, make that a devotion. And uh, you don't have to listen to me. You are your own person, and you have the right to make that choice. But I've been on the side of screaming before, and I've realized accomplished is very little. Um, so what do I want to talk with you today about? First of all, I want to just say hello to everybody that's uh, watching online. Also, Mr. Andrews, who called up for help online in Vermont on how to watch it. And you've been here a couple of weeks and visiting, and we appreciate you. We give a shout out to Kayla Davidson, who went with our teens to youth camp the last couple of weeks. And she went this week past, and she is going with the junior high at the end of uh, July, and she is go finishing up a degree, or she's in the process of a degree in, um, in biblical studies and youth ministry. And so she is, she's one of us, and we're proud of her and appreciate her stepping in and helping. But uh, I was going to go from how to answer political questions to what happens right after that in Luke, how to answer religious questions. And I just couldn't, I, I, prepare, I prepared a message, I had it all set, and I just kept feeling like God was gnawing at me, saying, I need you to talk about something different. Are you willing to put aside your preparation and be willing to trust me to talk about another topic that I want to speak to my people about. And so we always say in this church, we do series, but if God interrupts, we're willing to allow him to interrupt. I, I don't necessarily think like heaven's going to fall and, the, and everything's going to open. I'm just, I'm putting forward the truth that God has, but we're going to have a time at the end of service where the worship team's going to come back up and it's going to give us a chance to respond. For those of you that are watching online, I want you to know it's so hard to replicate in your living room or in your study the same experience that happens here. And normally we shut off 
uh, it's normal to shut off after service is done uh, because you've heard it and you don't have a chance to respond. My encouragement for you today, this week, would be to just pause an extra five minutes and allow whatever we're doing here for God to do that for you because I think that this is an important truth. And I'd also love to encourage to see those of you that are online. There are close to 80, 85 of you on any given week and I would love to meet you. Some of you, that's impossible because of where you are in the country and in the world, but we would love to welcome you here physically. And if you're ever our online community and you are visiting, please, you have permission anytime up until I come up here to just walk to the front row and just come right up to me in the middle of worship or whatever and introduce yourself because I would rather be meeting you face to face than singing a song. That's You're important to us. And we appreciate you, so thank you for those of you watching online. Can you believe it? We have 85, 90 people consistently a week, and we don't count like one view as like a family of five, but it might be more than that. So what do I want to talk to you about? Similar, the same thing that the Constitution talks about. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That, and he goes on to say, and the, the, the founders go on to say, that all men are created equal, and they go on and on on what we call a constitution, but I thought about, we hold these truths to be self-evident. And I was thinking about truth specifically and how important it is concerning the gospel, concerning being a Christian, concerning remaining in Christ. How important is truth to us as a people? I have to say, out of all of the things that my father has instilled in me, as a value is truth. He used to always say to me, Paul, your word is the only thing you have to give. Don't cheapen it by lying. Keep it. Be a man of your word. Be a man of truth. When I was a kid, I found a whole bunch of money blowing in the wind, and what does he do? He makes me bring it to the police station. Now, I know that the officers there went out to eat, it may have funded them at the bar probably. I don't know what happened. I didn't get that money. It blew in the wind. But my father said, you know what? Honesty, truth, and integrity is more valuable in your life, Paul, than just taking a few dollars off the street. I still embittered him for that. <laughs> so two men go into a judge, and the first guy gets up, and he gives his case, and and speaks it really eloquently, and the judge says, that's right, that's right, that's right. And then the next, the guy that's, that's uh, the defendant stands up, and he says, your honor, you haven't even heard my side of the story, and you're already convinced that, that he's correct. And so he, he, says, he says, well, let me hear your side of the story. And then all of a sudden, he goes, <coughs> he goes uh, well, your honor, and he begins to explain himself eloquently, and he goes on, and, and he he gets to the end of his presentation and the judge looks at him and he goes, that's right, that's right, that's right. And the clerk that was taking notes there in the court heard this and he jumped up and he said, judge, they both can't be right. The judge looked at the clerk and he looked at him and he said, that's right, that's right, that's right. Everybody can't be right. And we live in a time where it's, it's ridiculous that truth has become something subject, subjective, right? It becomes your truth. There is no such thing as your truth. There is something called your perspective. But truth 
is truth. And while the founders were confident enough in us in the 21st century to actually believe that we might think that some truths are self-evident, God has realized that human nature is human nature, and he says, I need them to know the truth because the truth is what sets you free. So listen to this. Jesus, in John chapter 8, verse 31, says this. So Jesus turned to the Jews who had believed in him. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. What is Jesus saying that makes you truly his disciple? If you what? Abide in his word. If you abide in my word. In other words, that that word is like to produce, to do, to make. Like, it's an ongoing thing. Now, uh, it's, it's, it's that you're, you're making something out of it. You're building with it. You're doing. Jesus said it in one other place in, in the New Testament, the Gospels, the reference escapes me, but I know Pastor Dylan's going to shout it out in a second. Jesus said, blessed are you when you do these things, when you do them. So Jesus said this, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So how do we know the truth? What did Jesus just say a second ago? He says, abide in my word. See, in order for you to know what truth is, it's found within his word. You will know the truth. The truth is found in his word. You will know the truth, and it is the truth that will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? See, they thought they already had religion, church, God, all of that down. Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, anyone, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. There are, this word really, uh, I'm not talking original language here for those of you that have that at the tip of your tongue and the top of your head, but there's something about if we abide in, if we, the metaphors, the Bible talks about abiding in something, walking in something, practicing something. It's literally speaking to an ongoing lifestyle. There's a difference between going in the right direction and falling on your your face, getting back up and saying, God, I need your grace today just as much as I did the first day I came to you. How many of you still need a savior? I, I, I need a daily savior. I don't need a savior once and done. And I, I mean, I need an ongoing savior. And what's great about grace is, is that it's, it's amazing in that God is able to work through the guilt and the shame if we're true to ourselves, true to his word, honest with ourselves, honest with what the situation is. And we're able to get up and, and keep going, not in perfection, but in the right direction. Jesus answered, truly, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. A slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. We're children of God. We're not slaves. And God wants us to be the inheritors of the kingdom. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Abide in my word. I, I heard one of the most amazing messages on truth from the president of Zion Bible College at that time, North Point, Ben Crandall, and he said, by the truth, 
and sell it not. That's a proverb. Buy the truth and sell it not. In other words, truth is a costly thing. And don't sell your high morals to the lowest bidder. So everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin and to practice, to do, to manufacture. So if it's an ongoing thing in our life, a struggle, that's something that Jesus is saying, hey, we need, we need some honesty, some honest conversation here. You've got some work to do. How many of you here have no sin in your life? Raise your hand. Okay, good. I just was wondering if I was, you know, on my own here. Thank you very much. That was a trick question, too. Some of you are like, should I raise my hand? Should I? I don't know. If I raise it, then, you know, he won't be on me. But if I don't, then I'm saying I'm perfect. I just... You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Abide in my word. We've got to know truth. See, the motto... The mission of our church, the Great Commission, we've distilled it down to say, hey, find freedom. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Finding freedom has less to do with prayer, a prayer over you, a magical moment with Jesus. It has less to do with that and more to do with exposing your life and abiding in the truth and allowing it to dictate the direction of your decisions in your life. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe in revival, and I would love for you to see what that looks like here at this church, but we will never get there if we are not abiding in the truth, and if we are not finding freedom through correcting our life and directing our life on God's truth to us. We'll never get there. I love the statement we have, a mantra in our home that my wife says to our men in our home, our sons, they're men now, and we're very proud of them, but she always says this, I'd rather you, especially when they were going through the teenage years where all children become saints, um, <laughs> I'd rather a truth that hurts than a lie that makes me feel better. And I think that that would be something Jesus would say to us, say to you, hey, listen, I'm all, he's all-knowing, right? If we, I'm, I mean, I have to, you, if you're watching online or you're here today visiting or whatever, you know, in order to, what we're talking about is the truth of who we believe God to be. We believe that he is all-knowing. He knows all things. He knew the end before the beginning. God, God's never like, what? I'm so shocked. How many of you as a parent have been shocked when you find out something your child has done and you're like, oh my goodness, this is a mess or someone in your family or God's never had a moment like that in his life. He knows everything. He's so patient and he's, and he's trying to, to, to expose us to the truth, but sometimes we have to be eased into it. I love, Judy, I love Judaism. We're, we are grafted into the vine of Judaism. Our savior was Jewish and we are followers of Christ. We're Gentiles. We're not supposed to act like Jews in order to be Christians. I don't believe that we have to celebrate the festivals, and nor does the New Testament. Um, I'm, I don't have to, I'm not out of line if I call him Jesus. I don't have to call him Yeshua. Uh, I don't need to wear a prayer shawl. And you better believe I'm never giving up bacon. Ebba. Yeah, because they don't eat bacon. They don't eat bacon. Jewish people don't eat bacon. Isn't that messed up? We've been to McDonald's before, you and me. We've eaten bacon, right? Yeah, seriously. But 
this whole idea of truth and how you define it, and I'm sorry for moving so slow today, but like, truth is, in the day that we live in, truth has been, truth has been re-engineered. Just bear with me for a second, because I want to just take you through a very quick history walk to understand how we got to where we are, where you can say, well, that's your truth, this is my truth, or I can call something that I wanted, and it makes it that way. In fact, there's a story about Abraham Lincoln, when uh, a true story, where once uh, when he asked a, uh, I don't even know what this is, a deputation, he, uh, maybe a deputy or somebody, but he, he asked, how many legs does a sheep have if, it's call, uh, if you called its tail a leg? How many legs does a sheep have if you were to call its tail a leg? And the guy said, five. And he said, no. He goes, four. Just because you call something, di something different doesn't change that truth based off of the nature of what it is. A sheep only has four legs. Just because it has a tail and you call it a tail doesn't make that. But yet we live in a time where people are calling stuff that what they want to define it as, and it makes absolutely no logical sense. Do you understand? How in the world did we get here where truth has become relative instead of absolute? We could have a truth about buildings. I could say, I'm the boy who could fly. And you could say, bro, don't jump. We could go on top of this roof and make a decision and say, I think I can fly. And you say, you won't fly. The law of gravity will pull you to the ground. And uh, I will put that to the test. And what will happen? And then I'll have even more brain damage. And I'll still be your pastor. My sermons will be really messed up. You can't get out of the law of gravity just because you say, hey, I believe gravity is like, you know, this kind of, but we live in a time where people are calling things, and, and it, the, the truth, the nature is an absolute thing. A leg is a leg, a tail is a tail, a this is a this and a that is a that. And, and how have we gotten to this place? Well, really, what, the most important thing for you and I as followers of Jesus are people who are looking to, to Christianity and looking to Christ and have seen the value of God at work in other people's lives that we admire and we're thinking, man, I, I think Jesus might be who he says he is. I think he's done good things. I've prayed to him in difficult times and he's shown up and you're at that place. Well, you have a worldview. How do you view your world? We've got all kinds of worldviews. We've got materialistic worldviews where people are looking at the world through money and their decisions are strictly based off of bottom line dollars and possessions are more important than people. In fact, they will rip people off. Look at in the time that we've lived, this is a little before your time, but Enron, right? Bernie Madoff, a man who literally took close to, I think, a a billion dollars, I don't think I'm, it's something like that, it's probably like uh, 500 million, I don't know. But he, it was a Ponzi scheme, it was all a lie, and he had zero remorse for what he did, why? Because his world wasn't driven by morals or values, he had no moral compass, he only had a compass that pointed to dollar north. And he was willing to destroy and wipe out the retirement and finances of generations of people. You've got a scientific worldview. Well, science can explain everything, and everything is just in the natural world order of science. I, I, I believe with all of my heart, if God does a miracle here, that you should go to your doctor 
and get the physical evidence for it. I'll never forget when my wife and I were youth pastoring, we had a young girl in uh, Ashley Toy. I should, she's actually in ministry today at a church in Massachusetts, in Ashton, Mass. So proud of her. She had completely broken her leg and it was just totally broken. I mean, it was a compounded fracture, which means the bone snaps, the bone sticks out, they have to reset it, they have to tighten it and put, you know, and so they had just set the bone and they were gonna do series of surgeries and all this kind of stuff. And that night we had a a couple of people at the Bible college that came and they showed up that night and this kid comes from a legacy family of just like healing evangelists and that kid prayed for her and he was like, come on. And she just all of a sudden started like shouting, excited, and she starts wobbling around the room on her cast. And she shows up that Sunday and the cast is completely gone. And she has the x-ray before her leg was, was set and broken and the x-ray after it was set and broken. That cannot be explained by science. That's called a miracle. And God still does miracles. Now, I don't know why he doesn't heal everyone, but he understands what he's doing. He knows what he's doing, and I can trust him, but the Bible says that you and I will lay, truth, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I'll never forget how terrified I was, Colleen, when you caught COVID, because she, with COPD, I was like, Lord, please don't let it affect her lungs. Please don't let it affect her lungs. My father is in the final phases of COPD. I know what that would do. He would never make it. And we started praying in the church office. We're like, Lord, we don't, it, COVID is what COVID is, but we pray right now that you would just heal her, that she would recover, but we pray this one thing. We pray that it would not affect her lungs. And guess what? Not one aspect of her lungs was, 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 done, was touched. She was totally, now don't get me wrong, she was feeling sick, she had to get hydrated in the hospital and all that, but it never affected her lungs. That's the answer to prayer. That's the truth of the gospel. That's who God is. God still is in the healing business. Now, I don't know why he doesn't do it for everybody when he does it, but it's just, it's just, it's him. But we've gone through a time in history where I think it started with the Renaissance and the Renaissance all of a sudden brought God down and started elevating man with his creativity. And then the enlightenment came and we elevated man's thinking and we lowered the thoughts of God even lower than that. And then we entered the industrial revolution and we said, look at what we can produce on our own. There's, there's an event in the Bible called the Tower of Babel that already dealt with this topic, but, but that came down, and then all of a sudden Darwinism hits the scene, and all, all of a sudden the new truth is uh, we don't even need the concept of God. God's dead. Man became the center of the universe. All truth became a personal view, and truth became relative because there's no standard anymore. What's truth? What is truth? How does God, like, even come to bear? I think you have to understand a lie, right? Where's Abby and Jacob? Are you right there, Abby and Jacob? Jacob, would you be, would you be willing to come on the platform and stand still if we did an illustration? I wouldn't embarrass you, I promise. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Abby, would you, would you be willing to come up and help with this? I wouldn't, if I promise I will not embarrass you. Ab, all right. <laughs> Here he is, ladies and gentlemen, my friend, Jacob. I've been waiting for this my whole life. You've been looking for this your whole life? Yeah. This is your moment, oh, Abs. Yeah, he's saying this is amazing. Isn't this precious? So watch this. I better not do anything. Abby's like, you better not do anything to embarrass me. Listen, you are the woman to be feared and obeyed. I shall, in fact, you're going to be the lead on this. So let's, let's do this. Jacob, we're going we're gonna to have you stand in the middle like this, just facing forward. And Abs, what you need to do is just wrap him up. Okay, so watch this. Here, I'm gonna just wrap this. We promise that we'll get this off of you a week from now. But um, I have so, no idea what's going on here. It's okay. So you're you okay? Put your hands like this and stand straight. Like this. Yeah, yeah, and just start walking around him as I'm talking. Keep wrapping in that thing. Now uh, you got yeah, you got to figure it out. Now here's the thing. Here's the thing about lies. They always are called little white lies. They're always called small. How are you feeling there, brother? Okay, good. Is, is this, has this worked out the way that you've intended waiting your whole life, or is it going a little different? It's honestly going a little different for me. Okay. Okay, we're not going to hurt you. You're not going to be trapped. You're good. You're good. There we go. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about lies. No, no, you keep going. We need you. I mean, like, really, like, double time. Hammer time. So, so here's the thing about, about tr lies is that you start off with one of them, and you become comfortable with it, and then you tell another one, and you become comfortable with that, and then you continue that process. Go right down to his legs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Okay, this is going And way you worse. tell one lie, it's going way worse than you expected, huh? Yeah. It, it's it's gonna get worse, I promise, hold on. No, I'm not, I'm kidding. Is it okay if I touch your head? Yeah. You're my friend. Thanks. You're welcome. So you can see like what seems like a simple thing of living a life and weaving a life of lies. At the end of the day, it's a little bit more complicated than it, huh? Don't ever go flying kites. <laughs> see, one of my friends once said, and he gave me this, lies are like piranha. Look at this, check this out, feel his teeth. Oh, that's real? That's a real piranha. Right. Shellacked, oh, that dried is out. so sharp. Yeah, he, he so lost really his front sharp. tooth there, but that's okay. He's still got some good ones. Yeah, cool. Here's the thing about lies is, is that you entangle yourself in them to a point where you say, it would be too complicated for me to untangle this mess. And we think that they're innocent, but what if they're piranha? One of these things is, I mean, I wouldn't want to get bit by that. That's like about a, an inch. They could take an inch off of your, into your skin, off in one bite. But a school of these can strip a cow to its bones in 10 minutes. Why is truth so important? Because Satan is the father of all lies. And what he wants you to do is participate into his kingdom and his lies to set you up into such a place where, one, you're ineffective, but two, you become food. You okay? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm going to set you free. All right. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and what? The truth will set you free, so we're going to set you free. 
Thanks, man. Yeah, you got it. All right. I'll help you out here. Check it out. Thanks, man. Okay. Your sister made this mess. She's going to help get the rest of it off of you. Um, let me cut that off. You're, oh, you're good. You'll be better in six weeks, she said. <laughs> yep. I want you to keep the string as a reminder. Okay? <laughs> good job, Jacob. Thanks. You got it. I mean, it's, it, it, it's an illustration, but man, when you think about lies and the lives we live and the lies we weave, I would rather a truth that hurts than a lie that makes me feel better. Because when I let a lie make me feel better, it continues to weave itself around my life until I actually become the victim. And Satan's called the father of all lies. And the Bible says that in Romans 1.18 that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who have, by their unrighteousness, suppressed the truth. See, if people's moral compass is not a biblical worldview, not a moral worldview, is a materialistic worldview, is a God-is-dead worldview, and it's not an idea that we have a God and we're not it, and that it is not God's job to keep our life in alignment. It's our job to keep ourselves abiding in him and his word and aligning our life and decisions in keeping with him, that that's what makes us followers of Jesus Christ. And it also keeps us from becoming victims of the enemy. It's such a profound truth when you look at truth for what it really is. Jesus said this, sanctify them by the truth. This is the prayer that Jesus prayed, the very last prayer he prayed. And he prayed for us because in that prayer he said, I not only pray for those that you've given me, the disciples, but I pray into anyone, for everyone who will ever believe in my name. He says, sanctify them by the truth. Father, your word is truth. There's a parable of a, a Native American parable that's, that's about a, a Native, an Indian, a Native American, who sees a snake, and the snake says to him, please pick me up and give me a ride to the top of the hill. And the guy's like, are you crazy? I'm not going to pick you up. You're a snake. You're a viper. You, you bite. You're poisonous. There's, I've, I'm not going to do it. And he said, no, I promise you, I swear to you, I will not bite you. I, out of appreciation, I promise I won't bite you. And so the man picks up the snake, and the whole time he's traveling up, he's talking with him, and he's hearing profound things, and he, he's, he's interacting with him, and he's like, man, this wasn't that bad. And as soon as he set it down, the first thing the snake did was he bit him. And as he lied, on the, lied down on the ground and he began to die, he said, you said that you weren't going to bite me. He said, you knew exactly what I was the moment you picked me up. And I wonder if God's children still understand the things that we pick up knowingly, the nature of what they are, as if it's going to be different for us. Truth is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. In the day that we live in, we kind of find it difficult to share Christ 
Now, I'm, not just, I'm not talking about like the struggle that we might have with you know, sharing our faith and the uncomfortable aspects of that. And I, I think if Jesus was willing to die for us, that we should be willing to talk about him. But we need to find the right moments, the right points, the right people. And I get that. But one of, one of, uh, Josh McDowell, who is a very famous apologist, he's spoken to more college campuses than anyone in history more than Ravi Zacharias, more than anyone. He's gone around the world. I think it was some, something like 1,500 to 2,000 college campuses his whole life. He dedicated it to young people developing biblical worldview about truth and who God is. And he said that one of his friends called him up and said, hey, Josh, I need you to talk to my son. He's not living for God. He's not living for Christ. And I'm really concerned about him. And so he, he took him out. He took him out to a nice restaurant. He paid the bill. And as he was sitting down with him, he began to talk with him. And as he shared about, you know, what do you think about Jesus? He, he was right on spot. What do you think about God? He was right on spot. It, he had all of his thinking of who God was and who Jesus was and what, what, what it was to be saved and sin and all of these different things. He was right about everything. And then he finally brought it down to the end, and he said, you know what? You don't have a, 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 you don't have a mental problem with the gospel. You have a moral problem with it. And he said to Josh, he, he, before he said that, he said to him, he said, you know, I, I, I enjoy when I go out with my friends, and I enjoy when I have a good time, and I enjoy engaging in these things and that things. And he, he says, your problem isn't intellectual, it's moral. And we have an entire generation that will, and an entire nation who will, will say to you and I, and an entire people within churches that will say, I believe in Jesus. I believe he's the son of God. I believe he died for my sins. I believe he rose from the grave. I believe in this, that, and the other thing. But the Bible says that there is pleasure in sin for a season. We have in our nation and in our church as a whole, and maybe even here in our church, you don't have a problem with the truth of your theology of who God is. You have a moral problem. See, you know that it's wrong, but you won't look at the truth for what it is. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. It's not I can't believe in God. It's a moral problem. I don't want to believe in God, that God would actually not worry about these things but he is. Now, here's the beautiful thing about when we were in service earlier and one of, one of our members gave that word that was just burning in their heart and just felt like they needed to share it. I don't know if you knew, but everything that they shared was from God's word. It was from scripture. God brought the children of Israel and he was, he was trying to do what we are all about here. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. Go into all the world Right? Going to all the world, preaching the gospel, making disciples, and listen to this about truth, teaching them to obey. Part of the process of discipleship and being a Christian is not just simply making a 
verbal affirmation theologically of who God is. It's about coming in alignment with obedience to what God says in his word. That is what we are about in this church. That's why we're not 10,000 people, but why we're, we're a church right now of 320 between what's online there, because it's very difficult to help people understand that in order to be a Christian, you need to abide in his word, that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And it is very hard to look at things honestly when we're in enjoying the pleasure of sin for a season. In order for your life to be in Christ and to be in alignment with scripture, there comes a moment where you have to let the truth of Jesus come and shine into that situation. They were getting delivered from Egypt and the truth was that there was a Red Sea in front of them and there was no way they could cross it. There was an army behind them. There was no way they could fight it. They were between an impossible situation. But the Bible says this, that he who the sun sets free is free indeed. God says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Listen, I don't care what addiction you have in your life, whether it's a sexual addiction, a drug addiction, a, 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 an anger addiction. I don't know, different strokes for different folks. Jesus tells you stand still and acknowledge the truth of your situation, but acknowledge the truth of who God is. God is above it all. And what is impossible for man is possible with God. But they had to walk in that truth. Well, I don't know if I want to. What if the water comes back down? Dude, the water standing on a wall to the left and the right. How much more of a miracle do you need to start walking in truth? God's parting a sea for you. The question is, is will you walk the truth? Because we don't have a mental problem, an intellectual problem with the gospel in the church of Jesus Christ today. We have a moral problem with it. We know, but we don't want to embrace it. Well, following Jesus Christ will change the way how we live, how we treat people, how we relate to our sin. David said it like this, Lord, in Psalm 51, 6, you desire truth in the inner part, deep inside. And then in Psalm 139, he took a risk. And he said this. I can imagine he paused before it. He was... Do I really want to do this? Then he took his guitar because he was a musical person and he, he said, search me, oh God. See if there's any wicked way within me. You see, your freedom, finding freedom is dependent upon you facing truth. And then you stand still because the miracle has to come from God for that deliverance. But then you need to walk in truth. It doesn't mean that you're walking in perfection, but it's time you start walking in the right direction. And I've been doing this a long time. I know right now throughout this room, Jesus is putting his finger on specific stuff in your life saying that needs to go, that needs to change. You could explain it to me biblically. What's wrong with everything about you? But you don't have an intellectual problem with the gospel. You have a moral problem with it. And I think it's time that we do what the church used to do with our sin. We come to the altar 
and we bring it before God and we say, oh God, I can't even make a promise to you that I'm not going to blow it, but I'm telling you what, I'm going to, I'm going to grow it and I'm going to show it and I'm going to start walking in the right direction and not the right perfection. I need to remove those people that are speaking into my life saying, this is cool, this is fine, this is all right, when you already know what's wrong and to begin to allow. And then there are some of you here, you're like, I'm good, I'm fine, I'm whatever. But you're stuck in your relationship with Jesus because there's a truth he's trying to show you and you, you're not willing to look at it. Some of you need to come up here and say, oh God, I need truth on the inside. I've got a moral problem. There are others of you that need to come up here and say, oh God, search me, search me, probe deeper. And so as the worship team plays, I don't want you to think about it. I don't want you to care about what the person next to you thinks. I want you to get up from your seat. I want you to find a spot here. And I want you to do vertical truth with Jesus. And then after we close that off, as your pastor, I want you to start doing horizontal truth in your life, living out what you do. Well, Pastor Paul, I don't know the whole Bible. I don't have matters. That's okay. All God's looking for you to do is put into practice what you already know. Just take the truth that you've got and live it out. Make the changes you need to. Build the, build the barriers between you and that situation. And God will do the rest. Amen. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, let's stand to our feet. Father, right now in the name of Jesus across this room, you say that the Holy Spirit convicts of sin, righteousness, and judgment. I'm not these people's judge. I'm not here to shame, but you came to bring us the truth. And you say that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Lord, right now, I pray your truth would begin to move through this room. I pray your spirit would begin to move through our minds and our hearts. I pray, oh God, that you would help us to acknowledge the truth, to walk out the truth as we know it, not in perfection, but in the right direction. There are some things that need to change and there are some red seas that need to part. And so Lord, as I pray right now, I pray that we would begin to come forward and we would begin to face the truth and that you would begin to set us free in Jesus' name. I ask you at this time, you would get up from your seat and you'd come forward and do truth as we sing this song. Thank you again for being with us today. If you want to watch this or listen to it again, you can always go to YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And for all news and updates about what's happening here at the church, you can go to ne-cc.org or lowellag.org. Thank you and God bless.